0: Hi, this is Nicole Sorato, and welcome to the Power of Ambition podcast, a podcast where thoughtful conversations happen about the journey to rise above mediocrity, whether in your professional, personal, family, or love life. Being ambitious isn't just about pursuing success of monetary means. We discuss what it means to strive for more in life, break generational cycles, and live your definition of success. The title of my podcast, The Power of Ambition, pays homage to Jim Rohn, a motivational speaker. He changed my life when I started listening to his tapes in my early 20s, and I learned from him and countless others about the power of ambition and the importance of self-development. This podcast is for those on a journey of personal development, as I believe is the key to living a happy and fulfilled life. Now let's get into it. Brandon, we did it.
1: We are here. We
0: are officially here. Um, welcome to. <laughs>
1: That's your intro music now.
0: <laughs> I'm about to add it in. I'm going to tell Kerr, the sound mixer, we have an intro. <laughs> um, welcome to the next episode of the Power of Ambition. I have a very special guest and dear friend <laughs> with me here today. That was a fly. Oh. Okay, my dog just moved the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Calvin. This is a fun start. Calvin!
1: Oh, he knows what he's doing.
0: He does. I'm sorry, you guys. That's definitely going to be cut out.
1: <laughs> you know what you're doing, Calvin.
0: You know what he wants? We're going to take you to the room, Calvin. But I want to show everybody, Calvin. The interrupter.
1: Oh, do you even know how cute you really are? Say something. Say something. Say something into the microphone. No, 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 no. Like, I don't
0: know what's going on here, but I'm hungry. a <speaking in Spanish>
1: Or you can take him to the room.
0: He can probably just patter his way over there. He's hungry.
1: (laughs) Okay. He knows where he's going.
0: And we're back. Yeah. Slight introduction. I mean, introduction. Slight intro in the introduction. Um, That was my dog. I love Calvin. You've been all over the place since I last talked to you. You were uh, in Armenia. We were supposed to film this before you went to Armenia.
1: Armenia, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: So why were you going? Look, first of all, let's in- properly introduce you. Okay. So Brandon.
1: That's me. That's what I call you. Yes.
0: Other people call you Box of Beats.
1: That's also me.
0: When did that name start?
1: Uh, it was in high school. I did like a talent show and I got second place. And then some kid came up to me with her family and her mom and dad was like, our daughter wants to tell you something. And then I was like, oh, what's up? And she's like, you made all this music with your mouth and you were making like beats. And it it reminded me of this box at home that I have, and I press buttons and it makes music and it makes beats, and you're like a box of beats. And I was like, box of beats.
0: That is so cute. Nice.
1: So I just stuck with that after.
0: I love that. Yeah. That's a great name. In high school.
1: High school, yeah.
0: So I want to talk about that. Like, how did you end up on this career path? Because we were technically a musician with your vocal cords?
1: Um, well, I was just beatboxing back in high school and um like well I I, I was beatboxing in high school just to like like do something cool like for my peers and myself. <clears throat> but it was I it was after high school. Like I tried working, I tried going to college, I tried like all that stuff and like I just wasn't it just wasn't really, like, my thing, so I just started street performing.
0: So what kind of jobs did you work before <laughs> you had finally decided, like, this is not for me?
1: I worked at a credit union. Okay. I worked at Bank of so America. So finance? Yeah. Teller and stuff. I did BJ's delivery, so I would, like... take like the restaurant? Yeah, BJ's restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> I worked at uh, a couple of different restaurants. I worked at In-N-Out for six years. I just tried every—just just different jobs, a bunch of different jobs. And, yeah, I, just, I was miserable doing everything yeah. that I was doing.
0: In high school, you know how they ask you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or, like, what, what career path did you see for yourself in high school before you tried all those jobs?
1: Honestly, I didn't have a single, like, idea
0: you know, that's really unique because I hear a lot of people who talk like in the film industry or the music industry or any art. They're like, yeah, I've known since I was six years old that this is what I wanted to do. And oh, it was like, you no. know, how everyone ha- like talks about those moments. Yeah. And I can't relate to that because I didn't know what I wanted to do till five years ago.
1: Gotcha. And
0: you kind of on a similar thing where in high school, like you're yeah. like, I'm not sure. I'm, I was the same way.
1: Yeah, definitely. There was no, there was no decided path early on, like. Nothing like that.
0: Did you have any indications, like, when you were a kid, like, that you were interested in music?
1: I mean, I used to play the guitar here and there. Like, anything that I did, I was, like, I, like, just learned guitar just by ear. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, um, like...
0: You didn't come out of the womb, like, beatboxing?
1: No. No. (laughs) The doctor would have been, like, put that fucker back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Never seen this in my years. No, but I I no, there wasn't anything that like made me feel like I was like, going to choose music for the rest of my life. But that was like a lot because of like <clears throat> I just grew up in in a home where like education was just like, you know, you had to go to school and like do <laughs> good in school. So like my, I, 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 was like, you know, good. Went to community college, and I was doing that, and trying that, and trying that. And like, as long as I lived at home, I like had to do that. Yeah. You know, like, it was my parents' rules.
0: So, where did you grow up? Like, what did what do your parents Where did your parents do for a living? And like, what was that dynamic like? Were you only child?
1: No, I have a sister. Mm-hmm. I grew up in in the San Fernando Valley. And what part of San Fernando Valley? Burbank.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And it was, yeah. I mean, like my mom and dad were just hustlers, so they just wanted my sister and I to do right. So you know, they had less to worry about because mm. they were always working. So, but yeah, they. It was. It was like a typical for for human household just mom dad brother sister me and my sister love each other oh um we used to beat the shit out of each other (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah we used to do tough love huh (laughs) very tough love we did some really stupid shit to each other in the past oh man but it's just how it is
0: sibling stuff yeah Okay. Your your folks are still here in L.A.? Yeah.
1: Okay. They're still in Burbank, yeah.
0: Nice. So street performing. Well, it's, I mean, if your parents were hustlers, do you think part of, you know, going the street performing route was like maybe unconsciously you picked that up from them since they were hustlers? Because that's a, that's a hustle, having yeah. to street perform.
1: I mean, it was just, uh, for me, it was like easy to make the money quick and once I started realizing that I was, like, making more money doing it than, like, I would make it a regular job. Really? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah. where would—okay, so how—walk us through, like, what was the process? What, how, how did you—like, what job did you have when you were like, I'm going to start street performing? Like, what what did that look
1: like? I was what working did, at In-N-Out. Okay. But I was working at In-N-Out, like a, I mean, in and outs a great company, and—but— it, it, they they don't they just still no matter what they pay you they don't pay you enough <laughs> <laughs> they really don't you're constantly working your ass off there yeah and so it was just like after working there for a long time I was like I am going to start street performing to see like it was just it was right down the street from where I worked so like I can walk from where I live to where I work to where i street perform in, like, a five-minute time span. Where did you
0: start street performing first? In
1: downtown Burbank. Okay. And I live right next to, like, the promenade area. Mm-hmm. So I would just walk down there and then set up, do shows.
0: You were still at home? And yeah. going to school?
1: Uh, Kind of. Okay. <laughs> I was going to school.
0: If your parents watch this, he was going to school. I was
1: going to school. If
0: they're not watching... He wasn't going to school. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So, in and out going to school and started to street perform. Mhm. And what was that experience like?
1: It was terrible. Like I just cuz like it's like you're doing something that you feel like you don't know why you're doing it. Mhm. So like why are you doing it?
0: Did you enjoy it? No. You didn't.
1: I hated school.
0: What no, I'm talking about street performing.
1: Oh, I love street performing,
0: yeah, so like when you started that, like what was that like
1: mm it was it was hard at first because like I didn't know what to do, I didn't know what people liked i didn't I didn't have any clue of how to like really connect with random people as they're walking by you mm-hmm. so like the first day, I think I made like three dollars in change, not even like a dollar bill. <laughs> Humble humble
0: beginnings. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then I remember the first show, somebody came up to me and like, oh, do you do parties? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, what would you charge for, like, you know, like two, three hours to come and perform? And I was like, $50? No. And then I realized after I said that, I was like, "Ah, you fucked up. (laughs) But...
0: Did you perform that at that time? Yeah, party? that was the
1: first booking I ever did. Really? It was for like 50 what bucks. Of, what kind of
0: party was it? A
1: birthday party in someone's like backyard. A kids'
0: birthday party or like adults' birthday party?
1: No, they were, I mean, yeah, it was strange. It was his, his name was, uh, I feel like his name was, it started with a T, but it was, I remember it was a Hispanic family and like it was his birthday party. He was young. But everybody there was older, mm. like all of his family and everything. There were no other really kids there. So mm. it was more for the parents, I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so when you were street performing, you were boxing.
1: Just beatboxing.
0: Not singing. Because you sing, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at first. And then I heard one of your lives, I think, and I heard you singing. And I was like, oh, Brandon has beautiful vocals. Ooh. Um, okay, so street performing, how how many months or days or years into street performing did you quit in and out? Or did you start like seeing, you know, some some monetary?
1: I quit in and out two thousand sixteen? Okay. Yeah. In two thousand sixteen I stopped working for them.
0: And how long how long were you street performing at that point?
1: Uh for like four Four, five years.
0: Okay. So it took a little while no. to build.
1: Oh. Yeah, I guess like five, six years. Five, okay. six years.
0: So yeah. I, all that time of um, straight performing, you were building your social media, putting yourself out kind there? Kind of.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I had no idea how to do social media. I had no idea how to do any of it. Um, it took me a long time before I realized, like, you're doing these shows and you're having all these people around you. <clears throat> and like you should be collecting their data like i just it didn't hit me for a long time mm. and collecting their information and making sure that they have you on like a social media platform of some sort so i mean i literally used to write out like my handle on a little little script like you know just like a ripped piece of paper yeah and like i would like have like a little pile of it on the on like a you know like, on top of, like, my my little speaker. Yeah. And, like, I would tell people to go take it. And, but, like, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. like, that can be easily misconstrued as, like, pocket trash.
0: You know, mm. like, a little
1: piece of ripped paper in your pocket.
0: You're like, what's this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: It's It was just, you know, it's a huge, huge, huge learning curve. I feel like I need to make, because there's a lot of people that do street performing out there. They're buskers. Mm-hmm. And I need to make, like, a video or something on, like, the key ingredients to successful, like, street performing.
0: Well, let's talk about it. What's the key ingredients?
1: Um, so, one thing that, depending on where you're at, like, huge thing is location. Okay. But, Number um, one location. Location is huge. You don't want to be performing somewhere that there's not a lot of foot traffic. Um, like on a street corner, people would think, okay, like there's foot traffic there, but like no one's going to fucking stop and like listen to you at the corner of a street. If you go to like someplace like downtown Burbank where people are like walking out of a movie and they're like, all right, now what are we going to do? There's ice cream, there's boba, there's frozen yogurt, places all around that area. And like, you know, people are just kind of casually strolling they have, like, a huge Christmas tree set up during the holidays. So, like, people are going to take pictures and stuff. Yeah. So it's, like, really paying attention to, like, the elements around the location. Um, and then, like, being able to make sure that someone who watches your show has, not like, as easily as they could possibly do um, – Making sure that it's as simple for them to follow you on somewhere. Mm. So I was like, I used to like print out on just pe- like pieces of paper and get laminated, like at some point, like my social media handles. Mm-hmm. But then that means that if anyone wants to follow you, they have to open their phone, go on the app, go to the search bar, type in one, two, Three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine letters. Yeah. yeah, find you and follow you. Mm-hmm. In the midst of them, just simply watching this sh- random show that they didn't think they were going to see on their vacation or in their holiday shopping or whatever. Yeah. So like, I thought of every letter as an extra step that they had to like mm. do in order to like follow mm-hmm. you, and like, people don't like to work. <laughs> <laughs> People don't like to do all that,
0: especially when we're out, like you know, trying to relax or
1: yeah. It's just people; it's not in their nature. Mm-hmm. It's so it needs to be as simplified as possible. So, like, I would I eventually graduated to scanning like QR codes. I was gonna
0: say QR codes is definitely a thing now, and people more than ever, especially during the pandemic, know how to use them because almost every restaurant has a QR code, yeah, labeled, taped to the table now.
1: QR codes. Another big component is your performance. Like mm-hmm. you can be the most talented pianist, you can be the most talented violinist, you can be the most talented singer. But like there's so many there's so many people out there that lack the realization of engagement. So somebody's going to stop and they they think your music sounds pretty or whatever, they're going to watch you for a little bit. But, like, what's the difference between getting them to watch you for 20 seconds and then their phone goes off or something and then it takes them away from from that time with you Mm -hmm. and then, like, them standing there for the rest of the entire song that you're doing and maybe wanting to hear the next one, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, I just see so many performers out there busking, who like they'll just play, 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 do the next song, say like one or two things in between songs, Thank you. Now I'm gonna do this song, and like, there's no opportunity for someone to remain engaged mm. with what they're experiencing.
0: So what does the engagement look like for for you when when you're performing? Do you still do you still busk? No, no, okay.
1: Um but what did it look like for you? <laughs> it looked like um you have to you it's like like any formulated algorithmic process on social media like especially TikTok. You have to engage them within the first few seconds of your show of them seeing you. And then you have to give them a reason to want to stay. So I used to do this like intro where I would play music in the background and it was like very like theatrical like You know, like like cinematic. Cinematic theatrical music. And then like I would like walk in all these different directions and like start stretching, right? And everybody walking by would be like, fuck's about to happen (laughs) I go like this. (laughs) And then I'd like be on one side of the my little stager and then I'd like run a little bit to the other side and I'd be like, Okay, all right, all right, all right. Then no one knows what's going to happen. Because it's
0: like building up anticipation. Yeah,
1: so everyone's going to stop. They're going to, like, want to watch. And then I would do this, like, thing where Siri, like, I would pretend like I'm Siri. So I would, like, have, like, a computer keyboard and it'd be like, Welcome. And, like, then everybody would be like, oh, that's kind of cool. So it's, like, building the anticipation and 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 allowing people to you know, ponder for themselves and their own curiosity being the reason why they're they're still watching you. Mm-hmm. But every single part of your show needs to continue to 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 build until it crescendos out into like this this ending, the end of your show. Um that's gonna be the difference between somebody just looking at you and being like, that's a talented person. That sounds great. And being like, they're going to be at the restaurant three hours from now with their friends that they came into town from New York with. And like, they're still talking about your show and like watching your video on your phone that they took of you doing that show. Yeah. And that's what you need to do. You need to like leave a lasting impression because I've been so many, I've been stopped so many times like from people who are like, or like even on social media, like TikTok, when I went viral on TikTok, I can't count how many times I've seen comments from people from all over who are like, oh, I saw that dude in Santa Monica. Oh, I saw that dude street performing in Burbank. Oh, I saw that dude street performing in Venice Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard, Universal City Walk. Like everyone's like, I've seen him before. Like I've seen what he's what he's done before in person. And I promise like if I was just, you know, like just singing on a piano or just playing the guitar and like there was nothing memorable that I was offering besides just my craft and my my skill set, mm-hmm. they're, they're more likely, they're not, not going to remember. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like if I pulled someone's name from the audience, if I was like a guitar player and I like had like a loop pedal or something and I like I pulled somebody's name from the audience and I played a song and I looped their name in it.
0: Like you're like, hey, what's your name?
1: Yeah, and then hey, what's from your the name? crowd,
0: and then you, they're like, "Jessica," and then you're like, "All right, Jessica, this is for you." Exactly.
1: Then- First of all, you're not only giving somebody a really cool experience, but you're almost guaranteed a solid tip from that point because you're like <laughs> fucking making people's names and stuff.
0: How did you make the ten- transition from street performing to social media? Like, when did that happen for you?
1: Pandemic.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: 2020.
0: That makes sense.
1: Everybody was live streaming. Everybody was doing stuff, virtual shows. And so TikTok was a great opportunity. Um, I remember the first video I put on TikTok was November of 2019. And then my first viral video that went out on TikTok was, it was, I think it was June. No, it was July July of 2020. So, was it July 20? It was November? So, TikTok started November 2019. 2019. And then my first viral video was July. It was July, June or July of 2020. And what was
0: that? Like, what was the viral video?
1: It was like a trap beat that I made with my mouth. Oh. And... Can I you made give a little, us an example? It was looped. It was like, there's like seven different layers to it. Like, <laughs> I won't be able to do it all with my mouth. It won't sound anything like it, to be honest. No? <laughs> no. But, um, but um, between those two videos, the first video and then the viral video, I had only posted like six videos on TikTok. Okay. So less than one, one video a month. And I wasn't committed to TikTok. I wasn't in any way, shape, or form, like, thinking, oh, something's going to happen with TikTok. Like, I was just doing it because I was trying to get my videos out there. But that video went viral. And then I remember I posted it at, like, 9 o'clock at night. And the next day at, like, 7 in the morning, I woke up and it was, like, your little red notification things on your page when you're... When you open it up, yeah, and I had like it said like two hundred and forty or two hundred and fifty thousand followers, like eighteen thousand comments or something like this, and wow. I was like, "What? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what's going on?"
0: So, how many followers do you have on TikTok right now?
1: Uh, like one, I think we just got 1.7 million. Like wow. two days ago, we just hit 1.7. Wow,
0: I don't think I realized you had that many followers on TikTok. It doesn't
1: fucking matter. It really doesn't. Really? Not on TikTok.
0: Really? What do you mean?
1: Like everyone, I've seen so many videos of creators <laughs> that are like, I have, they they're, they use that like, there's this perception out there that like followers on TikTok equate to, some base level of of like traction or exposure mm-hmm. um, within their own within their own, within their own community. Okay, and like it doesn't matter if you fucking follow somebody on TikTok. The likelihood that you're gonna actually see their stuff all the time strictly depends on if you're actually watching them their stuff all the time when they post it.
0: Yeah,
1: it doesn't matter if you follow them or if you don't. So when people are like. Oh, you know, it's crazy. I'm only getting like a thousand, two thousand views on a video and I have like one million followers, two, three million followers. Like that stuff, it, it makes no difference. And I'm just like, every day I see it, some other video of some other creator going on TikTok and being like, it doesn't make sense. And then they, they, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to take, I'm going to take a break now because this app is draining me. And it's like, it's a very, exhausting process Mm -hmm. Mm because it's just like constantly changing and you're constantly just along for the ride. But it's no different from everybody's day-to-day life. Like, it's just things are constantly changing and you just constantly have to adjust. And I used to be that person too. I used to be like, oh, fuck TikTok. Because everything was like, you know, once you'd get the hang of it being one way, they would change the algorithm. Yeah. And then you have to adjust. Yeah. So... It was just a lot of like, um, you know, a lot of people don't aren't comfortable with that, and I understand it because it's very uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's that like wise old saying like have the wisdom to you know to only pay attention to things that you can control. Yeah, and, like the things outside of your control, like worrying about those those things, it really does nothing for you. Yeah, like you're not gonna change the way TikTok you know, evolves, it's outside of your control. So just keep adjusting the best way that you can. 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah, TikTok is... The followers on TikTok do not mean anything. Like, there's a very select few amount of creators on TikTok who, whenever they put out a video, you know, they're going to get millions of views every single time, no matter what.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And... That just has to do with the asset that they become to the app. Mm-hmm. TikTok's not going to let that go. You right. Know? But they don't need everyone to fill that slot. They don't need everyone to fill that, you know, that... Uh, they don't need any... They don't need all the creators on the app to fill that position where it's like, you know... Oh, they have... the Basically, what I'm saying is, like, TikTok doesn't look at you and be like, oh, you have 1.7 million followers? All right, we're going to, you know... Take care of you. We're gonna treat right. you, you're you're gonna be a favorite or you're gonna get millions of views every time you post. Yeah. Ninety-nine percent of the creators on the app have to go through the through the experience of being up and then being taken down. Like you're literally going down like right. because of the app.
0: Right.
1: And then come back up and go back down and come back up and go back down. And that's not up for everybody.
0: Yeah. No, definitely not. I mean, it's the same thing of like, if you want to work at a like a nine to five, or if you want to be a business owner, you know, there's going to be ups and downs that you have to deal with. Um, speaking of, so that's the path that you you know you had to becoming Box of Beats,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think it's super cool that that girl. Uh, I know. That's how you came up with don't the name. I know that girl's name. Yeah, it's super cute. Um, so where are you now in your career? I mean, you have albums. Um, you have an album. Are you working on any albums? Working on one. You're working on an album. Mm-hmm. You have songs that you've released, right? Because I saw something, I think, yesterday about 200 and something streams what, um, on a certain song. MIA. Yeah. MIA. MIA. There we go. Yeah.
1: We released that July 8th or July 11th. Okay. So just under two months ago. And it had a quarter million streams Wow. as of. Thursday morning.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've never had a song have that many streams before, but that went viral on TikTok. Like, I put out a video. Mm. Was that you
0: B-boxing or singing, or both?
1: I don't beatbox anymore.
0: You don't box anymore? No. You just sing?
1: I build everything on the... I'm lo- sorry.
0: That reaction was, like, over the top, because <laughs> admission, is, I was obsessed with B-boxing. Mm. when I was, like... I want to say in middle school. Okay. When I was like 11 <laughs> or 12, I think um, we went to Six Flags like on a school trip. And there was like this, um, you know, like we were, there was just like, we knew the guys in our class, but there was like other other schools there, mm-hmm. but, like other students. And we had met these guys and I remember this was this really tall, like good looking dude and he mm-hmm. used to beatbox. Okay. And so like he was beatboxing at, it was not Six Flags. It was Disney. If you're
1: watching this, you now know. What? She digged you.
0: Um, he, I mean, I don't even remember his name. <laughs> but I remember he was beatboxing um, at the theme park, and he liked one of my friends or classmates and didn't like me. But I was just like, oh, my God, that's so cool. He's making sounds with his and, mouth, nice. and it sounds like a thing. And so ever since then, I was always into beatboxing. like. Gotcha. Completely obsessed. Whenever I heard, like, someone was about to beatbox, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to listen. And I was just, like, <laughs> mesmerized by, like, the fact that they can make all these sounds with their mouth. Nice. So that's why I was so shocked. Like, oh, my goodness.
1: What? Got it. Yeah, no, I don't I do not do. I don't use beatboxing anymore. Yeah. I felt like it was part of my music musical journey for mm. the time that it was. Wow. And now I use... Uh, a drum pad for all my like percussion. Okay. So it's just it. It's evolved to something bigger than that.
0: Yeah.
1: I think. I mean, that's bo- a
0: that's a beautiful evolution.
1: I think the hard part about beatboxing is like you won't ever look you won't ever look at a, a lineup for any musical f- music festival and and you see like um like a beatboxer like. You know, excuse me.
0: <laughs> so is it just not like conducive for like where you want your career to go?
1: It's just a novel. Like, it's been proven to be just a novelty act. Okay. Like, I can, unless, I can see that, unless you're invested in the community, like you're not going to go to a beatboxing show and watch 15 beatboxers perform for like I might <laughs> two and a half hours, like. <laughs>
0: Well, two, I mean, two and like a an half I said, hours is kind of long. Like I yeah. said,
1: like, unless you're invested in the community. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, it makes sense. But, like, you know, in Europe overseas, like, it's it's a, it's a different, there's definitely a different appreciation for it. Really? It's much bigger over in Europe, much bigger in the UK. I feel like that's where some of the greatest beatboxers, like, come from. But here in the States, like, no, it's very much diluted. <laughs> and, like... You can only, it's its only a novelty act.
0: So before we move away from the novelty act into your music and, you know, the great topics that we're going to touch on today, um, I saw your video on TikTok <laughs> about performing at Steve, um, I don't want to say his last name, the DJ. Steve Aoki? Yes. Yeah. And so, because you went up to beatbox, right? I did. And so can you tell them about that? Because I saw there was like some people like, oh, that was planned. You're like, it was definitely not planned. Um, Oh, my
1: God. Yeah. And so I remember
0: seeing that. I was like, poor Brandon. Everyone's like, like, are you
1: kidding me? If that was planned?
0: You're like, uh, if I had that in my back pocket, I would have pulled out. If that was planned?
1: Are you fucking kidding me? If I knew Steve Aoki (laughs) on a personal level where I was like, hey, bring me up at the club
0: like I know right come on, I thought about that
1: like but
0: so walk us through that experience because honestly i see I saw that and I was like, oh my god that was that's so cool like th- there was so many people there.
1: I was in Vegas for a corporate event I got booked for and then I went with a friend and she was like uh I told her I'd never been to a Vegas club and this was like I was already like twenty six twenty seven mm-hmm.
0: twenty
1: eight I think I was 28.
0: Okay. Wait, was that this year?
1: No, uh, it was like three years ago now. Oh, two or three wow. years
0: ago. I thought it was recent. No, or you just had posted it or something.
1: I repost, mm-hmm. recycle content on TikTok. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. Uh, and she was like, "Oh, you we gotta go to a club then," because we were there for a few days, and that night we were we were Looking who was performing, and we saw Steve Aoki, so we were like, "All right, let's go see Steve." And I just remember while we were on our way there, I remember thinking to myself, um, "I had seen another DJ on Instagram post a picture. His name is Fisher, okay, and he posted a picture on his Instagram where it was like one of those four-way photos where it's like one photo. The first photo was him with like his the big audience in the background, and he was like this." you know, okay. smiling for the camera. And then the second one was, like, zoomed in under his arm in that same photo. And then the third one was zoomed in even more. And then the fourth one was, like, you see this one person in the audience with, like, a, a sign. And I think he was making a reference to, like, the office or something. I don't remember okay. what the what the sign said. But I was like, damn, if if they could take a picture of him with the audience... And then you can see from that far away, zoomed in pretty clearly what the sign says. Then, you know, I, could, I can get away with getting, like, 50 feet away from Steve Aoki and, like, using my cell phone on, like, turn it up as bright as it can go, put, like, put, like, a black background, um, and then in big white font, like, bold white font type, I beatbox your music. And so oh, I, I, is I that used, what you did? I used my cell phone and I took a picture of the back of my hand. Okay. So it was just like a black
0: yeah. background. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then I, this was on Instagram stories, I just typed in with like the big fat font. I beatboxed your music and then like expanded it so it was like the size of my lands, like landscape mm-hmm. from top to bottom. And oh. then um, I just held it up in the air for uh pretty much the whole show and then like the last like before the last song he stopped the music and then he was like he turned to his manager and i knew who his manager was because i've seen him in like social media posts before yeah and then he grabs the microphone and he's like all right there's someone in the audience here that says he could beatbox my music and what do you guys think should we give him a chance And, like, no one in the crowd did anything because it was, like, so fucking random. Like, he just stopped the music and then, like, turned around. And you can just hear, like, everyone talking. You can hear all the chatter in the club. The lights are on. Like, it just felt like the show was already over. Wow. And then he turned like this, and he's, like, talking to his manager. And then he grabs the microphone, and he's like, all right, there's some beatboxes. Should we give him a chance? And, like, nobody was, like, you know, nobody said anything. Right. And then he, like, he looks at me, and he's like, Look, man, I can get in a lot of trouble for this if this goes bad. He's like, are you really are you like, can you really beatbox? Like, are you really, really good? Or like, are you fucking with me? And then my friend that was with me was like, she's like, he's fucking amazing. (laughs) And then like, he's like, all right, come up, come up. So he called me up and then gave me the microphone. And then I just beatboxed for the entire venue and it was like a minute and a half I did and it was like the perfect timing like I had no idea what I was going to do um or I didn't have anything planned I just kind of went with it but I I was in such a state of a like shock and adrenaline that like I didn't even feel anything when I was up there Wow! I was just like it just felt like it didn't even exist the whole moment really yeah (laughs) It was crazy.
0: Wow. Okay. So, because I'm a beatboxing fan, can you give us a sample of what you did on stage?
1: Yeah. I did um, Calabria's remix. So, or Mi Gente. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, my God. So true. <laughs> and that was, and yeah, we did. I'm like, getting
0: nostalgia vibes.
1: Yeah. It was crazy. It That's was really amazing. an experience all wow. on its own.
0: What an incredible path. So, so inspiring. Fun. So inspiring. I'm serious. That's what the power of ambition is all about. <laughs> um, well, we're going to go on a quick break. Um, cause mm-hmm. we were like 40 minutes in this thing. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about some, some really cool stuff. Okay, cool. So yeah, we'll be back. My Starbucks order is always three shots over ice. I used to just get three shots of rice. Gotcha. Straight.
1: I think that's what I got you that one time.
0: I did. With sweet cream cold foam. Yeah. Yeah. That's a funny story of how we met. (laughs) (laughs) Going with the flow of life. I know, right? I think that would be fun to tell I needed
1: lamps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's how me and Brendan met.
1: I needed lamps.
0: Yeah. There's uh, like a Facebook page. I was giving away two lamps. And I was going to give them to someone else. (laughs) And she had, her, she had her, I was about to send her the address. Do you know how close I was to sending her the address? Like, mm-hmm. I was literally typing the address for her to come pick up the lamps. And then um, it caught my attention because you messaged me. And I, I like to try to message people back right away because if I don't message back right away, I might message you a week later. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's like. I try to answer people instantly. Right. And so I saw your message like, hey, are they still available? So I stopped typing the address to type to you, hey, no, someone's going to pick them up. And then you were like, so funny. We have mutual friends. And I was like. Yeah. And I was like, oh, do we? You're like, yeah. I'm like, who do like who are mutual Joey. friends? Joey. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, Joey, I love Joey. You're like, yeah, we used to work at Anna, we were blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, so just in case, you know. And I was like. We have mutual friends. I should give them the lambs. It's yeah. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that was a tactic, but it worked. If it was, oh. like, if I should, I should mention that we have mutual friends. I was super inclined to give them to you over someone I didn't know <laughs> at all. And so then I was like, oh, he knows Joey. And so I went to your page. I'm like, oh my God, he looks super nice, and he knows Joey. I was like. I'm just gonna tell her that I don't give have to glasses.
1: <laughs> give him the lamps. Give him the lamps.
0: Yes, yeah, so I messaged her like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I gave them to someone else." Sorry. And then I text Brandon lamps. the address instead, and he's like, "What do you want from Starbucks?" And I was like, oh, "And I get Starbucks." It was pretty amazing. It was that was a great, and then and then we realized we live two blocks away from each other. Less. Le- oh yeah, less one block. We
1: live. We live one block away from each other. Did you
0: guys walk or drive here? We walked. Okay, nice.
1: She wanted me to drive, <laughs> but I walked. But we walked.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, I think that's a good segue into what we're talking to talking about next. Walking. Sure. Um, I wasn't very familiar with your journey uh, until recent until I recently saw your your last post. I was familiar that you were you know working on uh, getting in shape because you train with Joseph sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, But tell us, tell us, uh, like, what do you want to
1: share? Yeah, there was, uh, was I mean, I struggled with an eating disorder for nine years. And last September, I decided to kind of isolate from everything in my life to just focus on health and, you know, it was going to 12-step program, um, was going to therapy, going to training, changed my eating habits, and I did that for like a month. And then there was like no progress. So, part of my weight training program with, um, you know, physical like working out and stuff was I was drinking like a gallon of water a day, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize until. After the fact, uh, after doing it for a month, that I was, like, drinking a gallon of water a day but only going to the to urinate once a day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's not good.
0: Mm-hmm. So I went to the
1: doctors, and then, like, long story short, I found out that, like, because of my eating disorder, I was, I was constantly, like, expelling what I was taking in. And so my body got used to, after nine years, like, as soon as I would try, to, as soon as I would eat anything, like it would like try to like preserve it and like absorb any nutrients you yeah. can get from it <laughs> because it, it already knew it was going to leave. So it was like a constant state of retention. Okay. And so even water, you know, like.
0: So just for our audience, like, and if you don't mind, it's like what type of eating disorder did you have? Like, what did it consist of?
1: It was compulsive overeating. I was a compulsive overeater, and uh, and then I was purging, so bulimia. So I would just eat a bunch of food and then throw it up. And then like a normal day was a normal night for me was like I'd order like eighty dollars worth of Thai food or something, and then for myself, and then I would like make a plate, eat it, throw it up, make another plate, eat it, throw it up, make another plate, eat it, throw it up, and then like whatever was left. At the end of everything is like what I would eat and like and keep not down.
0: and not throw up.
1: Yeah. So, so like that was
0: nine nine years.
1: Yeah, nine years, and I mean, like the one thing that like I realized was like there was two two big moments in that whole entire nine years. One was the first time I realized I was even capable of inducing vomiting without even self-inducing it what do you mean so like you know you know the cans of soda you know when like you lift the little thingy and it opens yeah yeah so that little tab that you pull on yeah i was at my cousin's back to school night okay and with my family and 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 then i remember i opened it a can of soda that i bought from the place and then i realized that the thingy fell into the can and i was like oh you know it's okay i can like drink it very slowly and like you know mm-hmm. and then once i finished the drink i realized that there was no thingy like the tab was not in the can anymore
0: oh you drank so it? i drank
1: it and i was like oh i thought i i was like i thought it fell in there and i didn't really think I was like, but I would have felt it if I would have drank it. Like I would have felt that, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then like immediately, it's like a big piece of metal.
1: And then immediately, I felt this really sharp pain in my stomach, oh. and I was like, "Oh fuck!" And I remember there was this giant, you know, the big black trash like, yeah. bins mm-hmm. that they have the big black bags in. There was one like right next to me, and I remember just like going and grabbing like the rim of it, and like just thinking like I closed my eyes. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, all of it came out. Like, I was just, like, mentally able to, like, make myself throw up. I didn't put my finger in my mouth. I didn't do anything. Like, yeah. like it was just, like, it happened in, like, three seconds. Yeah. Like, no one in my family even realized that mm-hmm. I did it. That's how fast it was. Mm-hmm. And as it as it came, because it was only soda that I drank. And so I felt it, like, like nick my chip, my tooth really? on its way out. And then I saw it you know in the bat in the the trash can and I was like um. I was like thank god cuz like that could have been really bad <laughs> but um that's when I realized and then the second moment was we were at a korean or a japanese barbecue restaurant for my birthday one year and there was like 18 friends that showed up to this thing and we were we ordered like so much food and everybody ordered, and we were we were done eating. And, like, at that point, I was, like, I already premeditated before we even, like, ordered food. Like, I know I was going to, like, you know, go purge in the bathroom. And so I went to the restroom towards the end of the meal. And then I was, like, getting ready to purge in the toilet. And then I hear the door open. And then I hear, like, what's up, little bitch? And, like, three of my friends walked in my guy friends walked Mm. in the restroom and there was two urinals and two stalls and I was in like the middle stall and so like one dude in the pisser one dude in the pisser one dude in the other one and I was like you know and there was like a mental state for me where like I would become like like very anxious or like almost like on the verge of a panic attack like Mm -hmm. if I mentally was already preparing to do it. And then for whatever reason, I wasn't able to do it. Like I would feel like start getting nausea- nauseated, like very like, yeah, like my body would have a reaction to it yeah. if it wasn't able to do it. So I realized I was so good at hiding it that I was able to carry a conversation with them in the restroom, two people to my left, one person to my right. And still do it at the same time. Like, my eyes stopped turning red after a while from doing it. And, like, I was so in control of it that I can, like, do it, literally speak and f- finish, like, a conversating or someone saying something. And then, like, walk out of that stall and, like, Look n- normal. They, they would never know.
0: So, at this point, was, was anybody aware of what you were dealing with.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: And I feel like when I heard you talking about the de- eating disorder, I feel like I've had a misconception of what that means. Cause you, I think of bulimia and I think of like the super skinny models that were like suffered that, that, bulimia just means like you're, you throw up and you have, but you dealt with being overweight. Yeah. And so I didn't even know those things could coincide.
1: It's just because of the nature of it. Mm-hmm. Like I would still eat bad. Right. And I would still eat, like, a full plate of Thai food at the end.
0: Right. Of So it was, like, eating, purging, eating, purging, but then still eating and then keeping exactly. some of that, which caused,
1: like— I get that question all the time.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like, <laughs> let's demystify, you know, like, what's—you yeah. know, because I think we sometimes we have a narrow point of view of, like, what something is supposed to look like when yeah. there's different versions of it. Yeah. And so, so those two moments is is that what propelled you into getting healthy and and kind of figuring it out?
1: No, I had checked into a twelve step program, and my sponsor, like, his his wife passed from his from her eating disorder. No, and so I was like,
0: How, how did she pass?
1: She just like malnutrition, and and her body became weak and mm. just just bad. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, you can definitely, um, you know, it's serious.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. How old were you um, at the time when you signed up for the 12-step program?
1: It was last year. Really? So 30, 29,
0: 30-ish. So you spent like most of your 20s dealing with this.
1: hmm As soon as I moved out on my own, I was 23. Mm-hmm. So mm. as soon as I moved out on my own, that's when it became really bad because I had my own living So you space. were doing
0: it before mm-hmm. you moved out. Do you remember how it started or where you got the idea? Or like if um, you did it to like deal with something?
1: I was just, I was overweight my whole life. So like it was just my way of being in control of it.
0: Like even as a kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I'm under 200 pounds, like, I'm 190-something now, and I haven't weighed that much since, like, 10th grade.
0: Really? That's tough.
1: No, even before 10th grade, like, way Mm -hmm. before 10th grade. I haven't weighed that much since, like, I don't know, maybe since I was, like, 13, 14, Mm -hmm. around that age.
0: Mm -hmm. So from last year to now, like, where are you at with it?
1: Yeah, um, I had a gastric bypass surgery in December.
0: Oh, you did?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was, uh, it was going to take like a long time for my body to readjust. And besides that, there would be, you know, some nights where I would wake up from like my stomach. Cause like there's like this little thingy in your esophagus, like at the bottom that like, you know, like
0: closes yeah. and keeps your yeah. food down.
1: Yeah. And, you know, after, like, doing it for so long, mine was, like, you know, like, Mm. and weak and stuff. Mm. So, like, I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and, like, I would, the stomach acid would come up and, like, go down my windpipe. And so, like, I would wake up and I'd be, like, feel like I was, like, drowning in my own stomach acid. Yeah. And the older you get, the the less, you know, efficient your body is. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, you know, I was like, okay, in the next 10, 15 years, they're like, you know, you're going to be like, <laughs> you're going to like.
0: Yeah, no, that's no joke. I, I've i never, um, I mean, I've, I've had a weight problem with eating, but I've never had, like, an, a technical eating disorder. Mm-hmm. But I did have one time a bacteria in my stomach that was eating the little flap. It was, like, damaging it. Oh, my God. So I kind of have, like, a very small, like, like, I understand what acid feels like in your esophagus because mm-hmm. I would wake up with my, like, throat on fire. Yeah. And, like, no matter how much water I would drink, like, it wouldn't help. And I thought, like.
1: It's like a dry, itchy. It's
0: like a dry, itchy, like, yeah. Wow.
1: Burning sensation.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, bypass in December.
1: Had a bypass in December. And Which is, like,
0: it's going to be a year coming up on, right?
1: Yeah, in a few months. Yeah. It's been, like, nine months now. Mm-hmm. And it's been great. I can't even believe it's been nine months. Holy crap. Jesus.
0: So when I met you last year, that was before you had bu- your bypass surgery. Because we met about a year ago. It's It's been almost a year since yeah. our friendship has evolved.
1: <laughs> wow. I know. I'm looking at Camille. I'm like, it's been a year already? Yeah. Yeah. That's insane, and it
0: was, it was the cutest way that we became friends because you're like, my wife just moved here, and do you want to do you want to be her friend? And like, I was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to. Yeah. Before I even met her, and then I met her, and I was like, I definitely want to be her friend.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it was a really cool story, yeah. and it's so cool that you live right down the street from yeah. us.
0: Are you? Um, since having the bypass surgery and kind of deal with all this, have you seen a therapist? Has that been part of the process at all?
1: Um, No, I haven't gone to therapy. Um, Unfortunately, when all this kind of started like unfolding, like right before the surgery, like September, um, my therapist, I'll never forget, uh, My therapist, the first time I met him, his name was Anthony. Okay. And I was waiting in, like, the waiting room. And then there's the door that they, you know, we go into the, there's, like, you go in and there's, like, a long hallway with, like, a bunch of different rooms that, like, all the therapists at the center were in with their patients. And then, like, I just remember the first time I I heard this. On the wall. Like, it was, like.
0: What? Okay.
1: And then it got closer and closer and closer to the door. And then all of a sudden the door opened and it was like my therapist. And he's like, "Uh, Brandon, is Brandon here? And he's like, he has his like, like this kind of thing with his eyes closed. Okay. And then his eyes open. And then I'm like realizing he's blind. So he was like tapping the wall to figure out where the door handle was on his. And he's like, hello, I'm Anthony. Come on in. And he's like, go into room number four. And then, you know, I went into room, the room and, like, he was, like, finding his way to there. And then he closes the door and he sits down, finds the couch, sits down. And he's like, so in case you can't tell, I, uh, I'm i blind. <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> thrown off by it at yeah. first.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this and is the first like, ter- therapist you ever set a point, out an appointment with to see?
1: Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, I've been here for over 19 years and. And uh, you know, this it's it's a learning curve for everyone. but I've never you know experienced any have any issues with anybody because of it. So like you know, if you want to change our relationship and you want to see somebody else in, in a couple of weeks or something, you know, let's just have a few sessions see how it goes. But that dude change my life. And then unfortunately, unfortunately, the center was, Migrating to a new online portal that wasn't handicap friendly. Oh, so, this was before the pandemic? Uh, no, this was after mm-hmm. um, or in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, going to an online portal for online sessions and virtual meetings and everything. And like he just didn't have the capacity to, you know, uh, facilitate that transition. Yeah. So he ended up leaving the center. And I begged him to, you know, can we, can we move to private sessions? And he was like, it wouldn't be fair to all my other,
0: yeah. you know,
1: people that I see. Yeah. And um, so ever since then, you know, I've, I've not gone back to therapy, but that's, that has a lot to do with the fact that like, after having the surgery and going through these new, like learning about everything differently now, like. I feel like I'm kind of developing myself in ways that I've never had before or, like, done before. So, like, I'm learning new things about myself. Mm. And I feel like once I've learned—once I feel like I've learned enough about myself and this new identity and this new body and, like, kind of, like, process things in my own head, then I'd be ready to, like— Jump back into To jump back into it with, yeah. like—and find new direction and find— Um just reach new heights with it. So
0: well that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm so excited for your journey. Thanks. It's a great one. It's like reprogramming, you know, getting to know yourself better. Yeah. And and it's inspiring for other people to hear because there's more people suffer from this than we know.
1: Oh yeah. A lot of people do.
0: Yeah. There is a book that I read years ago when I was dealing with weight loss because I lost seventy pounds twice. But I just overate. <laughs> gotcha. I remember one. Um, my my binges used to be like: eat lunch, go to Seven Eleven after work, buy a Snickers, a Reese's Break Bar, M and M's, and a giant Slurpee, and a bag of chips, and eat all of that before I got home, and then ate, made dinner, <laughs> yeah. and ate dinner, and I was like, it was so bad. But there was a book I read back then um, called Cy- Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Have you ever heard of it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would highly recommend it. I might buy it for you. I'm not a reader. You're not a reader? Audiobook? Not an audiobook guy. It. Okay, well, then I'll just tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this plastic surgeon um, who decided to transition to psychology because he was performing plastic surgery. And, you know, there were some people like, he used an example one guy got into an accident and it kind of disformed his face a little bit and it really crushed his confidence he got plastic surgery to get back to like where he was and it, it improved him significantly but then he said he had other clients who were already grow, you know beautiful who wanted who didn't feel that way inside and they wanted plastic surgery but no matter how much they got done like it never changed their perception of themselves and he gotcha. just talks about the psychology between your your outside physical and then when it changes, like how the psych psych psycho, like psych like part changes yeah. as well. So that was the first book I read when I was during my weight loss gotcha. um, thing. And I thought it would be really cool to tell you about yeah, it. And Camila
1: was just talking about that with Madonna.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Saying <laughs> yeah. she did a lot of plastic surgery.
0: Yeah. It's just interesting because so, so much of it's mental. Yeah. And, you know, once you once you get that part right, yeah. you know, I feel like the, your, the physicality follows.
1: 100%.
0: But thank you for sharing that. Of course. We'll have to do this again soon. I feel Absolutely. like it went by so fast. It went by, like, way faster than I expected it to. Okay, so because I'm a beatboxing fan, you're going to give me, like, a little more before you leave? Like, just so we can, like, outro, you can outro us on this this episode?
1: Absolutely. Um, So we'll do. Be, uh, be
0: like Nicole. Like this is for Nicole.
1: Yeah. Nicole, every Calvin, every remix. Welcome to the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Time, 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 time. Something like that. <laughs>
0: Thank you for joining us. At for, uh, hold on. Blooper. Okay. Thank you for joining us this episode of the Power Ambition. This is Brandon, also known as Box of Beats. And you can find him on social media platforms everywhere. What are your handles? How can they find you?
1: At Box of Beats. B-O-X-O-F-B-E-A-T-S.
0: Also, last question. I always ask this question at the end. What is one thing that you want people to know that they misunderstand about you?
1: Um, I'm not a beatboxer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a beatboxer. That was my misunderstanding too. <laughs> Everyone does it. Everyone does it. They think box of beats, you know, it's 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 in the name, but yeah. Um, I just I just it's too late to change the name now. And uh, but I don't I don't beatbox anymore. And you're an artist. I, I think it's evolved into an artistry where it's just like I'm an electronic music artist and that's that's the path that I'm ch- ch- you know, okay. chiseling out for myself. So let's
0: clear up that misunderstanding. Brandon, you can find
1: videos of me beatboxing yes, and everything. Yes, you can still
0: listen to them. I'll start playing them before I go to bed now. <laughs> okay, it's an
1: evolution. It's, an, it's evolution. an evolution.
0: And then last thing is... If what is one thing you want everyone to know about you?
1: Um I have never ever ever had a cavity. <gasps> 31 years. Stop it. Never had a cavity in my life. Wow. Okay. We you know what's it. funny
0: is, is my next podcast that I'm recording is with my friend Lisa, who's a dentist.
1: Lisa, <laughs> verify. Zoom in. Just come here. Mm-hmm. 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 Never had a cavity.
0: Everyone, Brandon, Box of Beats.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: It's the evolution of artistry. Thank you for joining this episode of The Power of Ambition. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment, and um and make sure to check out Brandon's work. Next time we have to talk about your directing stuff. We totally skimmed over that. Love you. Yeah, go follow and subscribe Brandon too on his YouTube channel. The link is gonna be in the description. Bye. Bye.